gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Puck Talk. I am Spider Jack, aka Jack Woods. Welcome, Along- welcome, hockey fans. Alongside me is the incomparable Ben Hatchet. Too kind, too kind. Hello, hockey fans. Hello, Hello Greencastle. Hello, We have a fantastic... Hello, Radio World. We have a fantastic show ready. We have a bunch of news. We do. couple free agents finally signed. Absolutely. And we have an, an outstanding person coming on the show later, Justin Bradford, the author of The Making of Smashville. He's the editor-in-chief of now penalty box media they became a corporation very exciting and the commissioner of the sec hockey league he's also the director of digital media for the nashville symphony so stay tuned because we've got justin on in a bit in a bit so ben we are in full preseason we are most nhl teams have now played at least two or three preseason games this week the regular season everybody mark your calendar Start, starts October 2nd. October 2nd! Can't get here just under two weeks away. Oh, boy. Opening night. Opening night, man. I am so excited. I have been just... I love the preseason, and I love watching all the young talent. Right. I, I just can't wait till we finalize those rosters. Exactly. And it becomes and, real. And it, Yeah, exactly. No no knocking to the preseason. It's fun. Like, this week's been awesome. Oh, to, yeah. To check my phone. And get all the notifications, the ribbons pop up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, those are hockey scores again. Yes. What's happening? NHL app is alive cool. and well, everybody. Absolutely. Yep. But two huge news. Mm-hmm. Mitch Marner signing. It happened. And the CBA. Right. There's not going to be a lockout within the next couple of years. Right. The collective bargaining agreement. Always a hot topic in any professional ho- any professional league. Yeah, for hockey, it's been notorious for it's been lockout most times when the CBA gets tossed around. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, the players are at peace until twenty twenty two. Yep. So and- they're going to keep working on with the CBA and with the league for the next few years, and it's always better when the players are on the ice. So we can yeah have and something to it, talk about. It adds a sense of relief. Right. We it's don't security, have to worry about it. Right. So, there will be 82 regular season hockey games for every single team this year. Correct. And there will be for the next year, right. and the next year after that, and right. maybe the next year after that. Yeah. So, that's huge. Awesome. Really good to see. We are not going to be deprived of our hockey needs. No, no. We've got a lot of games to look forward to. And we will not be denied Mitch Marner. No. And neither will he. He gets his <laughs> money. We've talked about this in previous shows, that he was going to be the big piece Yep, to influence a lot of this free agency, these renegotiations, and mm-hmm. he solidified $11 million. 10.9 annually, right. on average. Right. And he is locked up for six years. Right. In Toronto. Big pickup for Toronto. And you were mentioning earlier, though, this is going to be a later salary cap issue. Oh, without a doubt. For the Leafs. They have all the star talent. They've been building. Mm-hmm. And now it's just going to be interesting to see what comes into play next but his signing adds a lot to this market um you have many teams though <laughs> politely reminding their uh their roster spots that they're trying to solidify that that is money that toronto that's toronto's deal yep um most notably miko rantanen who's still trying to lock in numbers with the colorado avalanche the colorado avalanche front office quote was quoted earlier um politely reminding that that's that's toronto's business and we're gonna we were expecting those pieces to fall the way they did, and we're going to keep planning oh, accordingly. Oh, don't worry. We'll touch on Miko Rantanen. <laughs> I promise. We have we have an hour, so we will definitely get to Miko Rantanen. But just to put this into perspective, and I talked a little bit about this on 
full press coverages uh, live show on the NHL with uh, Ian Glendon, Chris Mancuso, and Chris Bugaisky. But Toronto's cap space is none. He, they have yeah. no cap space. They've no more. They're, they're out. They have no more cap space. They currently reside. The projected cap hit is near $95 million. And the projected LTIR is $13 million. Hmm. So there's not any room. They're in trouble in terms of money. Okay, that's they, a later problem. Toronto's probably like, hey, we got we got the team we want right now. Yeah, it is going to be a later <laughs> problem because they have can't do anything now. Their top three contracts with Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and Mitch Marner is almost thirty three million dollars. Wow, that's a lot of money and a lot of space. That's a third. A little over? A little over a, a third, third of their... And then you look at other very good contracts, like... Queued up, kind of what's coming. Nylander, Kerfoot, uh, Kapanen, Morgan Riley, all in that 3 to $5 million range, which takes up quite a bit. Right. So, Toronto is in need to get rid of somebody. Yeah. Do you think they make that move now or wait until... They have to make that move now. They have to make that move now. Otherwise, it's... That is unsustainable. True. Because now that they have that top line, they need the other three lines. Yeah. And $10 million can get you great forward depth in the NHL. I mean, that is... It might save you a little bit of money for the next time. Yes. And as a matter of fact, they have a lot of multi-million dollar uh, contracts in their defense, in their defensemen that, with the exception of Morgan Riley, all of them are expiring next year. Guys like Cody Kichi, Jake Muzzin, Tyson Berry. Those three players right there are on multi-million dollar contracts. And they would have those three guys would equal about ten million. Okay, so that's a lot. That's of money. what you're wanting to focus on too. Like that's where the movement needs to happen. You think? Well, right. I yeah. mean, Toronto was not known for their defense, right? They're they're just not. Yeah, they, and then they they built they've been rebuilt that way. And well, exactly. They pick have, up Tavares. Pick up your your top. They went after the scores. They went after that UFA, that huge UFA, and it did not work out in the playoffs. Right. That's not our time will tell this time, yeah. That's not a hot take. That's no, no, just no, no. how it's been. Right. Like that's just the results that we've seen. Mm-hmm. They could they they can't get over that Boston hunch in the first playoff in the first round. Right. But back to Mitch Marner. Originally I would have said eight point five. I think that's a fair assessment. Originally. Mm. Because he's not a thirty goal scorer and he's played three seasons in the NHL. Right. That's still proving. Still proving. He's been on a good team. Exactly. That's still that's re- built for scoring. Again, he's going to pick up the points. Exactly. That's still relatively unproven talent. Right. Making Eric Carlson money. Mm-hmm. And then you look at his advanced stats. And thanks to Natural Stat Trick, <laughs> thank you. He went from forty-seven assists, twenty-seven of them being primary assists in uh, the 2017-2018 season to 68 assists and 52 of them being primary. Huge production guy. Exactly. So you're not just 
Right. You're not just picking up like secondary yeah. assists. He's going to get some points. He's out there. He's out there on the ice. Yeah. You, that's now not, it's no. He is he is contributing to that play. Mm-hmm. And it's not that. Um, oh, what was I going to say? It's not that they were so much lacking in offense, and it's not that he was getting assists and points off of zone entrances and exits. Sure. He's in the play, right. making plays, trying to create chances. His shooting percentage is a little concerning. It hovers right around that uh, 10 to 12% range, about 11. It was exactly 11.16% last year uh, with 27 goals. But what I'm looking at is his how many high danger chances for those of you who don't know high danger chances is right in between those circles right in between the face off circles right. right in front of the goaltender yeah you've got a high chance of scoring <laughs> high if you're scoring in zone yeah you only have to make one move and that goalie can't cover that net mm-hmm. and then it's area. his high danger chance for percentage when he was on the ice 62% money that's awesome right I mean, forget about all the shots on the half wall mm-hmm. and at the blue line and at the top of the circles. Just talking about getting to the gritty areas, right? Sixty-two percent of the time, which isn't easy to do for a three-year, three-year end player. No, no it's you have a not. lot of people that have to work, yeah, for a long time to get that production because it's not a very forgiving space. No, it on is the not. Ice. I mean, you look it, at Patrick Hornquist who makes his money just getting, beat. just staying there, right? Just living there, right? And then. I don't know. I really like this contract, but who do you get rid of if you're the general manager for the Maple Leafs? Mm. It's tough because, you know, going back on our point, I mean, I I kind of echo your point. I think it's got to be defensive, right? I mean, who like who offense-wise? I mean, you're not going to be able to get rid of your top guys. I don't know too much on like their third or fourth line and if that even gives you enough to to clean up. They've got in my opinion, you got to look at Nylander. That make yeah. Casper Kapanen and Andreas Johnson. Yeah, you just they could got, probably he, get something for Kapanen. They could definitely get something for Kapanen. And he's that's probably, uh, he's a. I mean, in terms, he's a little more seasoned now. He's he's been around the league for a little while. Right. He's a name. He's mm-hmm. a name most most would recognize and immediately could jump into your your top three. Definitely top two in some teams. And, a well, starting top spot. six. Yeah, he's right. a top yeah, six yeah. guy. Yeah, and. Mar, I mean, you're no, you're not going to penetrate that top line. No, I mean Tavares and Matthews. Right, and that's, Marner. that's locked in. There's no moving that. That's one of the top lines in the league. Right, next to um, Boston's top line and Nashville's top line. And I would have thrown Dallas's in the mix had Radulov and Ben and Sagan made that work. Yeah, but they didn't. Right, um, still beat Nashville. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's like water under the bridge. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the big thing. So, it'll be interesting what happens there. I mean, they have to... I, I don't know how much movement we see, unless unless they have some depth in their farm team. I, I'm not... That might be interesting to follow to see if, if anybody steps up in preseason. Yeah. That could give... I think now they just need that reassurance. Exactly. Using these next few games to figure out what... Because right now, with preseason hockey, you only have a few games where you have mm-hmm. half... Half mm-hmm. the starting roster in play. Right. You're not going to get the full group back out there, usually. You might do that the last game. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually a great segue. We're going to take a real quick break, about a 15-second break. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah.
Once again, you are listening to Puck Talk on 91.5 FN WGRE. This is Brad Hodder, men's soccer coach of the DePaul University Tigers. You're listening to 91.5 WGRE, your home for Tiger sports. Welcome back, hockey fans. Hello. Spider Jack and Axe talking free agents now. Free agency. The big name is officially out. So, who you got left? As you mentioned previously, Miko Rantanen. Miko Rantanen. Still waiting. Patrick Line. Negotiation. Patrick Line. Absolutely. Kyle Connor. Matthew Tuchuk. And Braden Point. Yeah. Big, big, big names. Right. Big scores. And big pieces. Um, in the hockey world. And I just want to say, with the news that um, Dustin Bufflin is taking a personal leave of absence mm. from the team, and with all of the melodrama that yeah. Line has caused, and with Kyle Connor still not signed, and with Line still not signed, there's some uncertainty north of the border <laughs> out in Winnipeg. Yeah. Those jets are scrambling. Who, as a team, had the worst offseason? Oh, maybe, maybe not in terms of who they acquired for what. Maybe not in terms of who they didn't require. But just in general, what storylines were so upsetting that just reiterated, this is the worst offseason? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think... You know, if you look at those bottom bottom six teams, you're dealing with Calgary, Edmonton. While they have all the talent offensively alone in Connor McDavid, there's just not much there. No, also, there's not. Also, Florida, the Panthers losing Roberto Luongo. While, right. While he has been struggling, he offered that leadership and that depth to that team. We talked earlier about you know his legacy as a goalie, and he recently, in a preseason game, talked about his two greatest moments in his career were gold medal at Vancouver, mm-hmm. which makes sense in 2010, and then the following year in 2011, making it to the Stanley Cup Final. While he didn't have a stellar performance, those were the highlights of his career, and he left Vancouver and made it back to Florida. But the Panthers, and again, we want to see hockey succeed and thrive in Florida, Yeah, but the Panthers team, they did the rebranding and they have a new logo and they did that in the last few years and mm-hmm. Atlanta couldn't survive. I don't think they're a team that's on the that's worried about being relocated. The NHL hasn't hinted that, but I, I think Florida needs to keep moving. Yeah. The Panthers, like for me, the Panthers, the Flames, um, it'll be interesting, Phoenix. We've talked, yeah. you know, I think Phoenix has a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Now, um, again, teams that in, in recent history, recent memory, have struggled to make it back into the playoffs or just have a season that was above 500. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also think, who am I missing now? I feel like you could have had more out of, oh, I mean, like Vancouver, what's happening out there? I mean, these are the typical teams that, that you kind of think about that have hinted at that they can do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't think of Vancouver, I mean, after losing the Sedin Twins in the last year. <laughs> I mean, that was the core. And that was part of the probably their, their fortune and just how the way it panned out where they had some of these legacy people that had been part of the team for so long and now it's like, what happens? It'll be really interesting. I think, I would imagine, I would expect more out of Vancouver 
in the next few years. That would be a fun thing to watch, especially if we talk more and more in a later episode uh-huh. about what that Seattle team will do. Yeah. Because that instantly... That's going to expand the cap space. Right. It expands the cap space, and the whole purpose of that was it instantly creates a rivalry in the north, in the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. a Vancouver, Seattle... I mean, there are two places that are less than an hour and a half or so apart. I can't remember my geography, but I know they're very close. <laughs> so <laughs> the point the point being, I mean, that was the cool thing. And the NHL wants to see that. They want to see rivalries. They want to see teams bring the fan atmosphere back into it, especially with Vancouver. With Anyway, yeah, I digress. The point is, I would think Vancouver would want to be ready to contend against a rival that's going inter- to interfere in their market. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we've seen... What can happen when an expansion draft comes in? Yeah. Case in point with the Vegas Golden Knights. Right. It took you can have a contender team. First ever season. Make it to the Stanley Cup Final. Lose eventually to the Washington Capitals. I think they but got tired. They're but still, they still competitive. Right. They're still competitive. Right. Even, uh, even you know, a couple... I mean, it's... It, yeah. It's, it's, it's very much uh, a what-if situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say the Jets had the worst offseason. And you know what? I'm going to point to Patrick Laine's recent interview. Okay. All right? Let us have it. He is quoted, there are top lines, and then there is our line, but I play with the guys I'm told to play. (laughs) When you're having contract negotiations, one thing is always who you are playing with. With the merits I have, somewhere else I'd have an opportunity to play with the best players. Yikes. What a team guy. Seriously. Raving about his line mates. Again, he went after his coaches too. Right, there's a lot. The whole... Whoever whoever designed that roster, I'm just coaching. That is very... uh, Which is... That is very... um, what is what's the word I'm looking for? That is very uh, telling, concerning. Yes, that's very telling because they brought in Kevin Hayes right. as their um, last season as their uh, midseason pickup. Yeah, and he Kevin Hayes is known as a locker room guy. Kevin Hayes didn't play much at all for the Jets. Yeah, and they got and they got handled in the first round. Right. So yeah, a team that historically in recent years had had hope for the postseason had been fairly favored. I mean, the whole thing was skewed this year with, with the lightning <laughs> fizzling out and that redesigned everybody's picks. But I think the Jets were at least... The Jets they were had contenders. A, they had a solid chance to make it to the Western Conference Final. So, at they, least it was almost set in stone. Right. They had held the Central Division down. Right. It wasn't until the last week of the season that Nashville eventually was like, actually, we want we are, it. We're still in this. We, we, we want it. Yeah. Can we have it, please? Oh, it's postseason time? Yeah. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll see we'll, you there. Yeah. We don't want to face St. Louis in the first round. Right. We'd rather take Dallas. I'm speaking as the Preds. I'm not speaking. Uh, I am not a part of the Preds organization. That's right. why I'm saying we. Yep. We can't say we anymore. In terms of teams, but yeah, it is. There is there are top lines, and then there is our line. It's crazy because you look at that team and the success they'd had. Oh yeah, once one off season, and then and that probably hints that we're hearing more about this now. And that might have this probably has been going on for longer than just the summer, without a doubt. And then Dustin Bufflin's like, "Hey, I'm going to take I need a, break. a break too. I'm going to yeah. take a break." Kyle Connor still isn't signed. 
the drama. I gotta say, it would not surprise me in the slightest if the Jets finished lo- if the Jets finished just above the Wild in the Central Division because the Wild is just that's a whole other story. Yeah, that's the that's the ongoing kind of fire. But I mean, that's what you expect, right? With the Wild at this point, with all the things that came out about Paul Fenton, but the Jets really mm-hmm. two years ago could have competed for a cup, right? If the Vegas if got hot if in the Fleur- season, if, yeah. If, if Flurry, Flurry hadn't right. shut him down, played on his head, and <sighs> got brought back the vintage. Yep. And then there's also Rantanen, right? He's the, he's, the, he's the other free agent. The We're going to bi- cut the Jets talk off now. He's it's, the other big one that Colorado. I would imagine is going to be putting, and they got to put something out in the next week, if not by the end of the weekend. Yeah, because he's back in he's back in Switzerland. Yeah, he's skating yeah. with other teams. I would imagine they want him to at least get some time. I don't. I don't know. NHL preseason is interesting. It mm-hmm. unlike unlike with the NFL, the yeah. big you know the big focus with they want to get guys back in there for at least be part of the team. Exactly, and I would imagine the same goes true for the NHL. But yeah, they got to make a move in the next forty eight hours. To get him here for something, yeah, um, before the end of next week. I mean, just to get back into a rhythm and be in the U.S. That's also, uh, I love the subtle shade that they throw at Ranson and like we're not going to pay you Marner money, right? And they're you willing did, to go that way. Yeah, you didn't produce fifty-eight primary assists last year, right? You were on a line with a seasoned veteran, yeah, and the best NHL player in the game right now, right? We're, we're not going to pay. You. We are not going to pay you Marner money, right? That is, that's very telling of the Colorado Avalanche as well. I mean, because we know general managers like um, Carolina is known to sure. nickel and dime players, right? And I think that's a big part of the reason why Justin Williams isn't playing this year. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's a pretty solid statement. You're talking about a guy that produced, I think, 90 points last year, and you were not something to take lightly. Yeah. Not something to take lightly at all, and. You're just going to say, well, they're just going to say, we're not going to pay you that money. Right. You don't deserve that money. Right. So if you had to, I know you got to get going. I know you got a meeting. Your quick take, mm-hmm. how much should Rantanen get? I think I think he probably lands somewhere in that six to seven, maybe, maybe eight. You're more inclined with the eight figure, right? I'm more inclined th- with about seven and a half to eight. Seven and a half to eight. I think that's fair. Um, he probably wants ten and nine. It's probably that's in, not going to happen. What his agents are hoping for. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many years they put on this. I think is the big point. Yeah, exactly. How how longer do you want Miko Ranton and on? Yeah, because the Avalanche think, are not far removed. Right. I think they probably. I think right now they probably do a two to three year thing. Yeah. You know, maybe three year. And 6.5, then, 7.5, and then like, hey, come on, we're working with you here. Yeah. Work with us. Mm-hmm. Let's negotiate in three years. We got a team. We got to get somewhere first. Yeah. And if the Avalanche win the Central Division, get into the playoffs, make some noise, there could be a bigger contract for Miko Rantanen. Right. Folks, Ben has I hate a to meeting. Do it. I hate to do it. He has a meeting for 20 minutes. I know. Discussing the climate strike going on today. Um, <laughs> not discussing it, but yeah, sure. Yeah. It, uh, it happens today. It happens today. Mark your calendar. Um, I would have participated, but I like uh, passing classes. So I'm not going to actively skip class. 
I care about the environment. I also care about grades. Ben understands. But Ben has to go to a 20-minute meeting about this. So, coming up after I this. I hope you're back. But thank you, all hockey fans. You are in our fearless leader. Yes. Fighter Jack. Oh, And I can't on. wait for you all to hear from Justin. Stay tuned. Justin Bradford will be joining me. We Coming will be, up soon. We will be talking all things Preds hockey. We will be talking a little bit about Penalty Box Media and the unrestricted free agent situation in Nashville. So stay tuned to 91 FM WGRE. moment has been brought to you by 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. Okay, folks, I think I figured this out, and I'm pretty sure I figured this out, although I can't be certain unless I say, Justin? Jack? We figured it out! (laughs) We got it! Folks, I'm not even kidding. I was in the studio, and I was just pressing random, random buttons, and I was freaking out. Uh, maybe this will be reproduced into a podcast. I don't know. But, yeah, I was freaking out, so I ran out of the studio. I ran into my professor's office. I got him, and he's like, oh, that's simple. You should have just, like, clicked this button. And I go, it was that easy? But, yeah. <laughs> Justin Bradford, everybody. The hassle we went through to get him on the channel. But we finally got him. Huge name in the Nashville sports media. Justin, you have been working seven years with Penalty Box Radio. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. Seven years doing thankless, payless work. And, Justin, you have some very big news about Penalty Box Radio. What is that, Justin? Oh, I do. <laughs> uh, we we turned into we turned into an LLC uh, yesterday to form a limited limited liability corporation. For those that aren't familiar with it, basically to take the business to the next step. So we aren't just a blog anymore. We are a media corporation, which is very big news. It means that Justin's back porch idea has turned into a dynasty. Justin, do you know how many people work with Penalty Box Radio? Uh, we use somewhere around thirty. Thirty people. And Justin, how is this taxing work? Is this just easy work? Do you just post stuff? Or how do you balance your day job, Penalty Box Radio, and then being a radio show host? I will add to that commissioner of a hockey league. Yes, the commissioner of the SEC Hockey League. So, I mean, you say taxing, now I'm going to be paying taxes. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, it's just a lot of balance, a lot of passion, a lot of hard work uh, goes into it. So day jobs in digital media with the Nashville Symphony and taking what I learned there and applying it to sports just across the street at the Bridgestone Arena for the Predators and then high school hockey, college hockey, uh, junior hockey, minor league hockey, everything, everything hockey, hockey, hockey. Yes, and we very much appreciate it. And because of Mr. Justin here, I have a radio show that I can obviously not operate uh, efficiently. So, but we have a couple things about the National Predators that I wanted to talk to you specifically about. What is your take on Tomasino and Igor being sent to their respective junior league teams? My take on it, that's uh, pretty expected for guys that are brand new draft picks like that. Basically, you could tell the natural predators what they wanted to do is each of them get a preseason game in so they get that experience. Uh, and then they wanted to get them back to their junior teams so they could be there for their respective junior openers. And, hey, Tomasino, in his uh, game for Niagara, he had two goals and an assist. So a pretty mm-hmm. good opening night performance for Philip Tomasino for the Niagara Ice Dogs. And uh, that's, that's, that's just totally expected. They want to get them in there because the, the line is pretty much close to set in terms of the guys that are probably going to be on the roster, maybe two or three spots, maybe a little in the wind there about who's going to be the extras. But that's what you want to do with these guys is get them through rookie camp, get them through training camp, get them a preseason game of experience, and then get them back to the junior team so they can continue to dominate and excel and be ready to turn pro in a year or two. Yeah. And are they a year or two away from being a pro? Um, I know that Robbie Stanley, Danielle Denena, and Abigail Martin were commenting about their skating ability more than anything. I mean, everybody knows if you have made it to the NHL, you can score. But they were talking about how maturely and how efficiently they skated. So what were your thoughts on them from training camp specifically? Oh, they had a good training camp. I mean, you could still see they're young. Philip Tomasino obviously has a lot of promise, and there's a reason why. I mean, he's a first-round draft pick, and so he's a lot of right. promise there. It's one of those things you want to see him dominate the OHL this year. Same thing with Igor Afanasyev. You want these guys to dominate. That's when you know that they're progressing the right way. Uh, are they going to turn pro at the end of the year? I don't think so. I think it's one of those things that they still need to be able to compete for a spot because you start looking at the Predators lineup and whose spot are they going to take. Those are two players that you'd want to see not playing anywhere lower than the third line, and if they're going to playing the third line you want to see them surrounded by some talent to make them successful so when you when you look at the future of these guys you don't want to rush them in their careers mm-hmm. uh, philip tomasino obviously has a lot of potential as a, as a good center for the natural predators uh, we want to see how he looks in junior against you know other guys his age before you want to throw him up and then igor afanasiev who is a big hoss of a dude he still has a little bit of work to do in terms of his skating ability mm-hmm. and getting involved in plays which is completely normal he's an 18 year old kid right a lot to, you know to be desired in terms of uh, what he's going to do on the ice, but there's a lot of things that he can improve on, that he can get better at. It's not like he's just stuck in a rut. He, he has to make sure he gets involved in the play and has a good defensive mind as well if he's going to be a forward in, in, the, in the NHL. These are all things that naturally will progress and happen. It'll be interesting to see how Igor Afanasia progresses, and that's what um, I'm excited to see at the end of November when these guys are a couple months into the season, when Niagara plays Windsor uh, in Windsor. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself and Jeremy K. Gover, the Predators Radio Network, will be up there for that game yeah that's awesome but you talk about taking a spot right but there are 10 unrestricted free agents that are free to go at the end of this year names include craig smith mikhail glenlin austin watson 
Rocco Grimaldi, Mika Salabaki, Frederick Goudreau, Roman Yossi, Yannick Weber, and Matt Irwin. Uh, interesting things. Obviously, um, keeping Yossi, Glenlin, and Smith would not be a terrible thing. In fact, it would probably be uh, very good for the Nashville Predators to keep those three players in their roster. But in terms of the bottom six, the only person who has really earned a spot is their best defensive forward, Colton Sissons. But guys like Rocco Grimaldi um, handed a, basically a $1 million prove-it contract, much like Ryan Hartman was handed uh, the year prior. He scores 13 points last season in the regular season. Austin Watson scores 16 points. Frederick Goudreau, Mika Salamaki, less than 10. So there are obviously spots to be taken in terms of these new rookies because I don't know. What is your take? Who stays? And Because the Preds could easily gut all of their bottom six and just build from the ground up because I'm sure Anthony Richard would love to kill penalties. I'm sure Ellie Tolvanen would love to be on that third or fourth line trying to compete into and trying to crack the top six. What's your take? I mean, it's really too early. <laughs> the season hasn't even started yet, so we have to see how this season progresses right. before you look at what's going to happen with Craig Smith and Mikhail Glenland and all those guys. I mean, Rocco Grimaldi, he could end up having a really fantastic year where he gets 25 points this season and earns another contract, or it could bust. You hope mm-hmm. it doesn't. Uh, but it could. Austin Watson is one of those guys I think that he is one of those predator players that will stick around for a while because they like what they see out of him. Mm-hmm. I think this is the last year for Mika Salamaki and Frederick Gaudreau and Matt Irwin. Uh, some of these guys could even be hitting waivers before the season starts. So that's why I say it's too early is because they may not even be a part of this team for the season. Okay. So I think you have to look into the season when you get start getting into February, March, how this team looks and is progressing because, yeah, there's lots of young guys ready to come up and take some of those spots. And just see where it goes from there. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, there's another guy who's sort of looming in the background that nobody has really covered except for the athletic. Daniel Carr, who was the AHL player of the year last year. And Daniel Carr, quote, nobody grows up in dreams of playing in the American Hockey League. That's a heck of a quote from a guy who's desperately fighting for a spot. What do you see in terms of Daniel Carr making an impact in the bottom six this year? I mean, he obviously has an opportunity. David Poyle, the general manager for the National Predators, signed him uh, to compete for a spot on this team. And similar to what Ellie Tolvanen said, too, is that you don't wake up wanting to go play in the AHL. It's nothing against the AHL. It's that these guys dream of playing in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's nothing uh, against the AHL. It's just that is the minor league to the the top league in the world. Uh, So I totally get what he says there. And Daniel Carr has gone up and down between pro teams and minor league teams. When you look at Montreal and Las Vegas, he's had his, his taste, but he was the AHL MVP last season so with 71 points he was over a point per game player and so there's obviously hope that that can produce at the nhl level and we've seen that so many times i mean steve moses being one of those guys yeah produced in a different league but wasn't able to convert that to the nhl so they're hoping that with daniel carr that same thing he's had a taste of the nhl at least and see what he can do there and that's going to bump another guy out but that's what you want in training camp that's what you want through the preseason is healthy competition so guys aren't too comfortable in there so that's why i say that mika salamaki frederick Gaudreau, especially, I 
think are those guys that might be missing out on spots and you start looking where Daniel Carr could fit in, you'd want him in a role where he could be a little successful and score. So, I mean, if you put him on the third line, who's going to get bumped down? If you put him on the fourth line, who's going to get bumped and be the extra forward? So there's a lot of question marks. Now there's only been two preseason games, but there's a lot of question marks going in. Now the Predators playing tonight, and then they play tomorrow, and then they play next Wednesday, and then all of a sudden the regular season's going to start soon. Yeah, exactly. And that date will be October 2nd, people. That's when the NHL hockey season officially starts but kind of going off of that you got guys like um Callie Yarncroke and Nick Benino Benino's contract expires two years from now Yarncroke three and what I see in the bottom six is that we know what we're getting with each player we know ex- and I think Peter Laviolette knows exactly what he's getting with Austin Watson he knows exactly what he's getting with Callie Yarncroke and Nick Benino Colton Sissons has a little bit of mystery to him in that there is still more potential upside in terms of scoring. But what do you, and I'm going to stay on this bottom six topic for a little bit here. Is there one guy that you really want to have an impact season this year? An impact season? Kyle Turris. Okay. He, not, even, <laughs> not even bottom six necessarily, but it could be. Hey, you asked the question. I give that's you the fair. answer. That's fair. That's, that's fair. The, that's the that's the impact player. That's the guy you want to be who he was instead of last year, which was an injury-riddled season. It was mm-hmm. a rough season for him, even including healthy scratches. But Kyle Turris is that guy you want to have an impact this year because if you get him healthy and rolling to the point where he's producing even 50 points, if he has a 50-point year, that'd be very successful for him in the bounce back in addition to what Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne can add, that adds a whole other threat to this team to where they're a lot more deep for an actual playoff run if Kyle Turris gets up and going. Nick Benino had a very lucky year last year. Yes, he did. The bottom six players. It's going to be hard for him to repeat that, but if he can repeat at least that production that he had last year, that bodes well as well for this team. So you look at that center depth right there, that if you have all four centers producing at the rate they should expect or that they can elevate a little bit, that bodes really well for this Predators team for a, a, the opposition team to have to prepare a lot more than just for the first two lines. Because we all know what happened the past couple of years is that team started preparing just for the Johansson, Arvidsson, Forsberg line. Mm-hmm. And if they did that and shut them down, they'd be successful against the Predators. Now, you had a different element of dangerous where you have a line of, say, Matt Duchesne and Mikhail Glenland and maybe Craig Smith or Kyle Turris in the mix, or you switch it around a little bit and you have two good scoring lines of of top forwards, and then you have a third line that actually has some threats there, too. It makes it a lot more difficult for a team to prepare when you have a third line that can produce. Third lines are what make the difference in the playoffs. Teams always prepare for a top six. There's only so much you can do to defend against a third line. Fourth line is there for energy and to clean things up, but a third line can be pivotal. We've seen that so much in the past, like with the Pittsburgh Penguins, when you had that HBK line, yes. third line of, with them, they were dangerous. They made a difference in the playoffs. So if the Predators can put together a third line that actually has some true threats every once in a while, they can make the difference this season. So now that P.K. Subban is gone, and I think it was time for him to move on to another team. I think he had not necessarily worn out his welcome, but uh, the media attention that he brought to Nashville... Um, is very it was very good up until a point. I, I I still kind of cringe at the Listerine comments in the Stanley Cup Finals. But now you have a guy like Dante Fabro, who can skate with any of the other top three defensemen, and Dan Hamhuis, who is also an unrestricted free agent this year. But they they have him for one more year. 
what is Steven Santini's role? Because that's the defenseman that they got in return for Subban, along with a couple draft picks, of course. But Steven Santini, is he the missing piece in that third defensive pairing? I don't think he's the missing piece when it comes to that. He adds depth to this team, and Steven Santini obviously has had a little bit of taste here and there, which helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's one of those things I would not want to put everything on Steven Santini to be the answer for all right. things. It's, it's, uh, Dante Fabro obviously is going to have a much bigger opportunity. But you look at a guy like Jeremy Davies, who is also yeah. in that trade, and then you look at the the draft picks that were acquired in that trade too. The the fallout in it, whether it's good or bad, from this trade will happen years down the line. It's oh, okay. Afanasiev turns out to be a top player, a top six forward, that trade pays off. If next year's second round draft pick that they acquired in that trade turns out to be a top six player, that trade pays off. If they win a cup with one of those players in the lineup, with any one of those four players in the lineup, it pays off. So it's, it's instant analysis. It's tough to see that return, even though you know what the market was. But when you look at what the return could be in the future, it helped rebuild that prospect pool, which in turn, maybe that second round pick next year is a defenseman. Mm-hmm. And then you have Santini, Davies, and another defenseman added to that. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to say that's the answer. I'd like to see a guy like Frederick Allard, Alex Carrier, get an opportunity to compete as well. But uh, for this team, I'd rather them not have eight defensemen like they've had in the past rather than them carry seven and have an extra forward mm-hmm. uh, just because it's, it'll be easier to call up that defenseman and then you, you make a decision there to keep guys playing instead of sitting on the bench. Uh, that's why I'd be pushing to waive Matt Irwin, would be one of those guys to get waived. Um, Yannick Weber, I think, is just a much better defenseman in terms of when you're looking at what the bottom six role would be. If you paired Irwin and Ham Hughes, I think that'd be just fine as a shutdown pair mm-hmm. more than anything else. Yeah. And then finally, with all the drama that is the Winnipeg Jets and the Minnesota Wild, um, with Line and Rantanen without contracts and with Dallas basically beefing up overnight, um, who's going to win the Central Division? I mean, not it, Minnesota. Uh, not Minnesota. That's for that. That's for sure. That is definitely for sure. I don't think the Winnipeg Jets win the Central. Um, I think jo- Jordan Bennington for the St. Louis Blues does not follow it up with a caliber season. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's going to be between the Preds, the Stars, and the Avalanche. Yeah. I think that's very... That's 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 on the point right there. I think St. Louis will have a little bit of a hangover. They'll still make the playoffs. My picks for the teams to not make the playoffs would be Winnipeg and Minnesota because Minnesota's a dumpster fire of a team. Yes. <laughs> yes. Chicago actually makes a push uh, to get in and as a wild card because Chicago still has a lot of dangerous weapons. Winnipeg still has some weapons up front, but they have zero defense right now. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have a blue line whatsoever. It'll all be a lot of youth on there that can be taken advantage of. Uh, Minnesota is just going to be a laughing stock. Uh, Colorado has a lot of a lot of talent, and especially when you look at Sam Gerrard with the way he's been able to beef up his skills and ability, the way he made a guy look silly. That incredible spin move. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Dallas, as you already said, they've beefed up a lot. Plus, 
they get a lot older. They have that experience kind of build on from the playoff victory over the Predators. Mm-hmm. So I think it's right now it's Dallas's division to lose, and I think it would bode well for the Predators to not win the division to have that kind of pressure on them, but get into the playoffs and do damage there. Right. Well, Justin, we are officially out of time. I just want to thank you again so much. Uh, excuse my inability to run the boards and to get a phone call. Hopefully, uh, the next time you come on, I'll have it a little bit cleaned up. But once again, this is Justin Bradford, and you are listening to 91FM on WGRE. This has been Puck Talk with Spider Jack Axe and Iron Bradford. Tune in next week on Friday at 11 a.m.